Hey everyone, welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for uh, joining me once again. What is going to be a very motivational, very inspirational conversation. You know, <laughs> I had the opportunity to take a look at this individual's uh, social media right beforehand. And I didn't follow him, but I guess I, sometimes you just don't really pay attention sometimes. So when I actually sat and listened to some of his postings, fuck, so motivational, uh, made me want to get out and get some miles in right away. Uh, so I'm excited to listen to his journey and talk about the Leadville 100 race, which he just completed back in August. So uh, it's going to be a fun one. And like I said, it's it, you're going to be ready to kick some ass by the time you're done with this episode. So let's just get right into it. Welcome to The Trail Life, Julian Serrano. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. For 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them and still do to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any terrain, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or Jack's Gear or on Solomon.com. The Trail Life Podcast is supported by Imrock Training. Imrock Training is an obstacle course gym for active adults who want to stay fit, crush goals, and have fun. Veteran-owned and family-operated, their small classes provide team accountability run by experienced coaches motivating your workouts from start to finish. Their three-pillar functional training system combines obstacles, strength, and conditioning so you never get bored with the same routine. It's fitness for life's adventures. If you're in the North County, San Diego area and want to check them out, go to imrocktraining.com to see how you can get started. I had a chance to see you in Leadville. I didn't re- really didn't get a chance to chat. Um, obviously, just I literally just saw you after you finished. So there was the com- conversation points pretty, pretty well out of it. Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a little overwhelming at the end. I'm not gonna lie. Just I'm sure, just a little bit. That that uh, they do a really good job in really getting people motivated and and like just keeping the energy up at the finish line. And I I can see how at the at the finish it can be a little overwhelming from the the fact you, A, you're finishing, but B, there's so much shit going on at the same time. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things like, I don't know. It's like, it'd be nice to have like a big old open field where like people could just congregate, but that, 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 that tent in Harrison, man, it's fucking jam packed. (laughs) There's a lot of energy. There's, there's a lot. It's uh it's amazing, man. It's the best, it's the best place in the world. Um, I haven't done many races, man, but that is, is fucking special. Was that your first time out there? It was my first time out there. Yeah. You know, I want to dive into your race specifically, the Leadville 100, but it's funny. Like I, we, I I saw Hector out there and I I had actually two or three other friends that were running that event. And I said the same thing to all of them. It's like, they do such a good job in, in pumping people up around the event, like the, the, the hype around the event itself on site kind of makes you want to go out and run that race just so you can be a part of it even further. Yes, could, it, it's it's true, man. They say, uh, once you run that race, you're a part of the Leadville family. And yeah. uh, it's, it's true. I, like I said, I have 200 milers on my belt now. I'm a very rookie in the ultra world. I'm uh, <laughs> I consider myself a poser, honestly. Um, but that is a special place. It really is. Yeah, man. It was it was interesting to, to see the, A, you're sitting there uh, watching as soon as the time cuts off and they're, they're fucking strict with their time cutoffs, right? And they bring out the founders of the event and they let up a shotgun at the end. They're like, hey, here's your time. Your time is up. Shotgun goes off and you're done. And it's like, right. this, like I don't know, the vibe uh, just surrounding it was all, was was great. And they had the opportunity to work um on the course and and at, at twin lake i was over at twin lakes for the most part um so having the opportunity to see that environment and see that vibe in different parts of the race was just amazing so yeah you know it's it's funny man next year uh, i'm not running it but next year i look forward to helping some some of my buddies want to run it and, and and hopefully i get the opportunity to crew i'm excited man i'm excited to experience leadville uh because when you're running it 
it's when you're running into the aid stations, man, it's it's crazy. It's like time doesn't slow down. Like time, as soon as you leave the aid station, it's like you enter like a warp zone of like, okay, now we're back to just you and your thoughts. And when you're at the aid station, it's so fast. Everything's so high paced. Yeah. And I think that's a honestly a rookie mindset of an ultra runner. Like that's a mindset of like, okay, I'm here, get my shit and go. Where like, if I can tell anybody, like, no, don't, especially these races, like stop, relax, look around, fucking laugh, smile, breathe, like yeah. enjoy, bring it, bring, bring it all in. Because when you leave, you're gone for a few hours. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. And you're, uh, and then from Twin Lakes back, that's, that's, that's six plus hours, you know? So, yeah. Man, it's it's insane. Like uh, for any listeners who haven't been up to Leadville at all, it's the as Julian's saying, like the aid station and the crew areas are just fucking insane. Like there's uh, Twin Lakes is this small little like one horse town, and it's got like one convenience store and a few houses. But on race day, it's like this like almost becomes it's this new city. Like there's so many, there's like thousands of people that come into this thing and are just sitting around waiting for the runner to come through, waiting to, you know, and it's, it's amazing. Like how, how did, how that kind of transform? And then also to see it, uh, I was there right as uh, cutoffs were happening at night. Okay. And so, so then you get that completely different energy of people have gone through, people have been cut crews start leaving. Right. And it, it all of a sudden is like this dead zone of an area. So I, I can only imagine, and I, <laughs> I can only imagine as you're coming into that area late at night, you know, right before cutoff or whatever, how that, how that vibe kind of changes for, for you as a runner, seeing it the first time around when there was a ton of people there. Well, I mean, uh, I barely made cutoff. So my entrance was electric. I don't know if you were there. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, I think I was talking to Hecker about this. I think I missed you by, by two or three minutes because I had, um, I had gotten there cause you, you, you made the cutoff with what, three or four minutes to go. Yeah. Four. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I rolled into the checkpoint there when, right as they were calling it, right as they were cutting people off and they were taking the, and then they started taking it. So I think I, I literally just missed you go through. So it's, it's one of those things. Like, and that's where I saw, I saw the other side of it where it was just like, nobody over there was pitch black instead of, you know, all the, all right. the yeah. it's crazy, man. Uh, you know, we're kind of jumping ahead, but fucking I, to get out of twin lakes, it's a hike up. Right. And, oh, yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> and, uh, probably about half a mile up. I look back and it's like some, it's, it literally felt like the back half of the race, like the world had ended behind me. And like all there was was forward movement because there's no more world behind me. Like I just have to move forward. Yeah. And uh, like you said, there was no noise. There was no lights. Uh -uh. And then like you don't see anything. You can't see these uh, mountains that are so immense and so fucking grand that like are just breathtaking. Like there's nothing. It's just darkness. So, yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah, I, I can that that hike going up out of Twin Lakes was gnarly watching people come down from that as they come into the checkpoint the first time i can only imagine going up it in the dark yeah not trying to navigate that um all together but you don't you don't realize till you're, you're you're on your way back to leadville how like little downhills are treacherous on the way back yeah. like because now you're going back up you know <laughs> and uh yeah man it was it was insane so yeah well, I, I want to dive into more of that because I, I, um, that was your second time doing Leadville. So this was, that was kind of your redemption race, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to ask you about the first time in Leadville and the second time in Leadville in the, in the comparison, but I want to get into kind of your background first. Um, okay. and first of all, I called Hector and I was asking Hector a little bit more of background about you so I could kind of get some information, but I was also, I was on your Instagram feed and I tell you what, you got me fucking jacked, man. Some of some of your motivational uh, posts and inspirational posts, I was like, I'm fucking ready to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's so for my who, yeah. So for anybody who doesn't follow Julian on Instagram, please do because he will get you fucking going. Like it's yeah. some some of those posts, man. I was I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go run run some miles right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you're you're based in Florida. So you live in Florida, and what I right. 
that was really cool. You're a firefighter, but you're also a smoke diver. Right. So explain that a little bit. Is that, I guess it is kind of what you think it is. It's why jumping into wildfire type of stuff. No, it's actually, it's actually not. It's a title that was given. Um, Those are, those are, those are smoke jumpers. Those guys are, are, are another level, um, another level athlete, another level um, first responder. So those guys, when there's these treacherous wildland fires that catch headwinds and are moving at a, a very high speed, they're dropped off three to five at a time, probably six to eight miles apart with a shovel, uh, two gallons of water and um, this little tent that if the fire like heads their way, they're supposed to jump into the tent like a little potato and see what happens. Those guys are are legit. Um, not saying <laughs> that the smoke diver name isn't legit, um, but those are smoke jumpers. So those guys are smoke okay. jumpers. So smoke diver is a, is a term that the fire service adopted air pack or the uh, self-contained breathing apparatus, the tank okay. that we wear that enables us to go into deeper fires, uh, into hotter fires because we can breathe our own air supply. Okay. So when this all started in 1980, 1979, early eighties, a couple individuals in Florida created a program that was going to expose any weaknesses with the, with the apparatus and put the individual in the, in the harshest of situations and see how they can respond with, with the breathing apparatus. Yeah. So then claimed the term, a class that was very, very difficult. And then the, the, the title came smoke diver. So then fast forward 15 years, a person dies in Florida, Georgia adopts a program. Georgia creates their own program. Georgia has a sister program that starts in Indiana. And now there's, I think six programs across the country that are called their smoke diver programs, all based around mastering your air pack at the highest level and through the harshest conditions of physical training. Yeah. So the, the term was, was, was not given to me. I earned that title through six days of basically the hardest test any firefighter can go through. Um, yeah. So still today, it's still the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done some pretty gnarly things. So So is, cause I've never heard of smoke diver before. Is that, is that kind of a South or East coast thing? Cause I don't, I've never heard of them out here in California. Maybe I'm just, I just, Uh, yeah, I don't think, I think the farthest West is Mississippi. Okay. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, you got Indiana, Georgia, Texas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Florida. Uh, okay. that, uh, yeah, I think Oklahoma, I think it's all like Midwest and then East which coast. Is, which is crazy with the wildfires that California has that we don't have something like that. Well, like I said, you, they, they have a smoke jumper program right. that in itself is different and hardcore. Mm. I mean, hardcore. I mean, these guys are, when, when they jump out of these planes and, and these fires are, are on their way to Malibu, California to destroy every house, every multi-metal house, they've got a big burden on their hands. It's like they're about to literally with a shovel create a three to four foot line or a, a trail for miles. Right. And really, they don't stop until they can visually spot the next guy. And that tells them like, hey, we've cut three to four, three to five miles. Wow. And then they have to hike out. Like you don't get picked up by helicopter. So you hike out 20 to 50 miles. Like these guys are hardcore, man. There's they're yeah. legit. So it's, it, it, it's, it's different, but the respect is similar. So again, Florida, did you get hit with anything? Are you, is you and your family safe? Like what? Where oh are you yeah. No, the, the, we got, we got really lucky, man. We got some wind. The West coast got destroyed about four hours West of us. Okay. Um, yeah, the hurricanes, man. It's it's one of those things. It's unassuming until it hits, and then everybody's like, "Holy shit!" You know. So yeah. But we're 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 a tough state. We bounce back. It's funny. We uh, we are claimed to be the exotic state, but when <laughs> disaster happens, we have a very good thing of uh, rallying and being there for each other. So yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you guys um didn't really get much on your side or, or your family wasn't affected as much. So I was thinking about that uh, the other day when I was like, shit, I, you know, hurricane goes through and, and I'm like, I hope, I hope everything's all right with you guys over there. I, unfortunately my family's, uh, I got family in Clearwater. Um, okay. So they got, their house got wrecked. Yeah. And so it's feel bad for any, any of the families out there and stuff. But anyway, man, let's, let's get into this. So I want to know, like you've only done a few hundred mile races. No, uh, I, a couple, I, I, a couple I, I, of them. I, yeah, I'd only hit complete one. So you've done a couple, but and you've only it, completed one. And Jeff, it wasn't it wasn't a race. 
<laughs> that, that's yeah. Race is a loose term. Let's put it from now on. So how did you get into uh, doing the hundred miles? Cause from what I've been told, you jumped right into your first hundred mile without doing any other. Right. Race. I, I, right. I had never, I had never run anything more than a, a half marathon. So, 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 so explain that a little bit, jumping in like mentality and, and was the half marathon you did a trail race or was it road? And, and cause there's a huge separation from that too. Yeah, no, uh, the 13 miles was the year before Christmas Eve. I just said, I'm going to go run a half marathon just for a challenge on the road. Right. Um, yeah, Jeff, I lost one of my close friends, um, Amelia Rivera to, to suicide. And, um, he was a firefighter. He was, um, a Marine and, um, he, he lost the battle to the war within. It was, it was one of the most devastating things that's ever happened to me. Honestly. Um, it was something that put me through the grieving process, all seven stages, denial, acceptance, um, bargaining guilt, you know, so many, so many things from there after we buried him, him, his brother, was like, I'm going to create a foundation to help other veterans that are suffering, you know, outside of going to the VA and getting put on a medicine regimen because there's other methods of treatment, but these methods cost money. So we're going to create a foundation where we'll raise money and we'll get the veterans the, the, the work they need or the help they need. I'm sorry. So I said, Hey, bro, I'll do something. All these nonprofits really don't get to, they're, they're not useful unless they have a good amount of money. Um, and the only way to raise money is to, do events, fundraisers, stuff like that. But the initial, they say $10,000 for your nonprofit to raise is the toughest. So I tell him, I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm going to go to Colorado for a boy's ski trip. During the trip, I'll come up with something where we'll raise money. We'll do something epic, right? Something, something awesome. So I'm out drinking one night and I, I had no idea this was a thing, honestly, man. Um, I didn't know it was a sport. I didn't know <laughs> David Goggins was running 100 miles a week. I didn't know he his epic story. I didn't know anybody's epic story. I mean, and you got all these guys, killers. I mean, Killian Jornet. Um, I mean, so many people. Um, Walmsley, like so many people that are just crushing the sport and doing amazing things. I had no idea. So... I looked at my buddy and, and we, we had an extreme amount of alcohol consumption that night. And I said, Hey, I think I'm going to run hundred miles. And he's like, Oh yeah, that sounds epic. He's like, what? Three days, four days. I'm like, no, I think, I think I can do it in a day, dude. And he's like, you probably won't be able to sleep. I'm like, no, you know, we're firefighters. So we're used to, you know, operating at a high level with minimal sleep. Yeah. So I said, no, I won't, but I'll be fine. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So it was, it was all jokes and games. Next morning, I was the first one up. Everybody was hungover. And I called my buddy, Gary. And I said, hey, this is January 25th, 2020. Okay. Yes, 2020. Call him up. He's like, perfect. He's like, what race are you going to run? I'm like, I'm going to run the Keys 100. It's uh, Key Largo to Key West, straight shot. I just need a, a crew and we'll crush it. We'll raise money t-shirts the whole night. All right. Awesome, bro. February comes COVID starts, you know, the turmoil starts the race director, Bob Becker. He's a legend. In them, he's a legend himself. He's like, Hey guys, we're Florida. We do things different. We're not going to get canceled with this, this, you know, virus. <clears throat> All right, cool. So I'm registered. We're good. March. The email comes out at the end of March. Hey, the race has been canceled. Now I started training for this uh, February 1st. So it was a 12 to 14 week training block. Mind you, Jeff, I was already an athlete. So I don't want people to say like, Oh, he did this without training. No, I was already an athlete. I had just completed the smoke diver program, which was treacherous. Um, so cardio, like aerobically, I had a base, but I didn't have running legs at that time. I was probably running 10 miles a week. So not what I needed for a hundred miler. So fast forward to um, the race is canceled. I call Gary. Hey, bro, the race is canceled. We're still doing this, right? He's like, yeah, what, what, what do we do now? I was like, well, since the race is canceled, let's create something because he's from Ocala. So I'm like, let's create something north with an easy route, with easy access to uh, gas stations and uh, minimal traffic. So it's be the same race, just a different location. So I ran from uh, Port Orange to Jacksonville straight up a one a beautiful run, um, right along the beach. 
And uh, it ended up being one of the best experiences of my life because COVID was going on. So there wasn't much traffic. Um, The weather, I got all, all weather, you know, I got rain, I got heat, I got humidity. And then at night it was cold. I mean, cold for, for Florida. Um, (laughs) And uh, it was one of those things where the cause was raising awareness for, for mental health and the first responder community. So it was so epic. It was my own race. Like I had a fire truck in each city take me through the city and like, yeah. So I had a fire truck behind me through each. And this was, this was not planned, Jeff. I had an individual by the name of Tom, uh, bull Hill and Tom, when he retired, lost his best friend of cancer. He walked from Key West to Tallahassee for, for cancer and, and mental health. So he knows everybody at every station, every department, everybody. So on, on my endeavor of this, he came out. I love the guy to death. He went that, that day. Like, so we started in Port Orange. He got the contact from Port Orange. We started the fire station. The next city, he went to the station. Hey, guys, this is what's going on. Can you guys escort him through the city? Absolutely. Next city and all the way throughout oh, the night. So it, it was, it was cool. epic. Yeah, it was, it was epic. So then we, we tie in Colorado. How does Leadville happen? You know, so Leadville happens because my in-laws have a, a Colorado uh, apartment townhouse that they go to every winter. Now they go for all the seasons. Mm. And um, I had always heard about this iconic race, Leadville. And then, you know, I, the, I, I think it was four years ago, my brother-in-law was like, Hey, I went to this store in Leadville and I bought you this hat. They've got this epic race. That's a Leadville 100. And he was in town that weekend. He's like, dude, it was nuts. You got to do it. <laughs> so then I start reading a couple books. I read born to run and yeah, I hear the story. And then, uh, you know, my running coach that helped me for my first hundred had three belt buckles from Leadville. He had, uh, two gold buckles and then one silver buckle. And he's like, you got to do it, man. It's epic. So that ties me into Leadville. And, and yeah, that's the story a little, a little long, but. Oh, it's all good, man. So talk about the, your first time you try and do Leadville is 2021. Is that right? Or you just jumped right into it in 2020? No, they didn't have it in 2020, obviously. So 2021. 2021. Briefly run me through your experience of doing that because now you're officially doing uh, a 100 race and you're doing it at elevation. Um, No, I'm I'm doing one of the hardest ultras in the world. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. People in Colorado say it's it's a road race for a trail race in Colorado. No, it's, it's gnarly. Sure. It's, it is, not, listen, I, and I, I'm a poser when it comes to trail, like ultra running. I've got, I ran 200 miles, so I'm not one to c- come up here and beat my chest. It's fucking, it's nasty. When I see elite runners on this course suffering immensely, like these, like Harvey Lewis, like these guys are epic. And like they're, they're, they're gangsters in the sport and they're just guys that are just amazing athletes and they're suffering. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, man. It doesn't look like a road race to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, so, you know, the first time I'll tell you what happened, Jeff mindset was not, I wasn't present. I was so focused. I was, I had too much noise and I wasn't focused on being present, focused on the mile at hand, focused on, um, what is in front of me. I was, you know, two miles in, I was already thinking about the, I was already thinking about Winfield oh, and to shit. anybody out there approaching the first hundred miler ultra, 50 mile or shit, 13 miles, whatever you approach, if you don't stay present, you are going to cripple your mind. And that's going to put you in a DNF situation quicker than you could fucking ever imagine. So, so how far did you, where was your, where was your breaking point? Or when did you get cut off? So I, I, I didn't make the cutoff at twin lakes and I got hurt. So I rolled my foot, not being present, not focusing on what, what I'm doing, uh, coming around turquoise lake, um, on the, tur- uh, it was, it's super technical. I mean, turquoise lake, that's, that's probably the highest probability of you getting injured, uh, turquoise lake. Yeah. And it's just simple little rollers. Like it's nothing crazy, yeah. but there's a lot of roots and it's dark. There's a conga line. So you got people behind you, people in front of you, a lot going on. Um, it's a pretty stressful, actually six, seven miles. Um, but you know, I, I wasn't paying attention and I rolled my ankle, um, went into May queen, which is 13 miles in still in good spirits, went up power line. As I was coming down power line, it, my world 
just imploded, man. Um, just the the strike of the downhill ruined me. I mean, I was moving slow. And then when I passed outward bound, which was 25 miles in, I was hobbling at a slow pace. And by, by the time I took Tylenol, Advil, and my foot went numb, I had lost so much time that I came into Twin Lakes, I think with four minutes to spare, five minutes to spare, um, and didn't make the cutoff. So I didn't even get to go up Hope Pass and uh, get to Winfield. So yeah. And Twin Lakes is mile 40, I think, right? Th- no, 37, 38. 37, 38. Okay. That's so close. So it's, and then yeah, Hope Pass is just fucking gnarly in itself. Um, and you got to go up and over that twice after you reach the turnaround point. So mentally, like you get done with that, like, how does that moving into 2022, like what's that experience teach you moving into the 2022 aspect of it? As we said earlier, like this was your, this year was your redemption year to do this. Yeah. Where did did your physical and mental like change? Yeah. Physically, I was not as, as prepared this year. Um, I, I had a lot of things going on. I was, I was drawn pretty thin. Um, so physically I had, I had, I had more muscle. I had weighed more than last year. Last year I came into the race at 210. This year I came into the race at 230. So <clears throat> big difference that 20, and I felt every pound on that race. Um, just mindset, man, mindset of being present, nothing lasts and the power of the spoken word, big, 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 that's a big component to my, uh, my strategy of um, not letting the, the inner emotions dictate what comes out of my mouth. Um, and it, it was an all-out war, Jeff. I, have, I had a lot going on with work, made a lot of mistakes at work, put me in a pretty precarious situation, um, made some mistakes in, in the relationship with my wife. And, um, you know, I just, I was not in the best place mentally going into this year's race. I knew the power of the spoken word and I knew that this race was, was the time to figure a lot of things out. Right. And, uh, the internal dialogue was disgusting. It was, it was a lot of negative shit, a lot of negative stuff. And, uh, I, I, I bared I, that, that burden was on me for 29 hours. Um, and it, it's, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, this year's level 100. I, uh, I pushed the race looking back. I could have done the race a couple of years later, probably yeah. done better probably been more prepared, but you know what, man, I'm, I'm a big believer in life. We make decisions. We have to stick by those decisions and you have to pull away the lessons that, the, the, that your decision gave you. Right. So you, your, every decision you make, there's going to be lessons that come behind it. Those lessons can be good consequences or bad consequences. So uh, what you take out of it is, is, is huge. It's, it's, it's everything. So what I took out of this is, I mean, this race really changed my life. And, uh, it was this year, it was, uh, you know, stay present, but man, I, I'll tell you the, I was wrecked. <laughs> I was wrecked. I think I did for sure too much training leading in. Um, I landed in Leadville or I'm sorry. I landed in Vail August 4th from August 4th to August 14th, 10 days. I, I put in a lot of miles at high altitude. High altitude being 9K plus. To me, that's high altitude. Um, did uh, two 14ers, um, did Hope Pass. Um, and I think I put a lot of, what people don't understand with altitude is you think you're fine, but you're not. And everybody you talk to, um, even the elites, even the guys that are podium, you just, that, uh, that 1,000 feet up, you know, 9K to 10K, after 20 miles, you're wrecked. You feel more tired. Your legs are more tired. I mean, it's just, it's nasty. So yeah, mentally and physically, just that, like you said, that extra thousand is just going to wreak havoc all, all over the place. Yeah. And it was, so I had the opportunity to, let's see, I, I was to Twin Lakes, but then I ended up uh, over there at just past Hope Pass. And I can't remember the name of the turnaround point, but. Uh, Winfield. Winfield. Sorry. Yeah. So I was at Winfield and helping take people down that got injured or whatever. We were taking them down the mountain and just to see the faces of everybody coming through, like, Oh my God, I cannot cannot believe I got down. Now I got to go back up. And it's just like, 
the you you could just see it and there was some people that were just that looked at it and they were like nope I'm, i can't do it i'm not going to make they already knew they weren't going to make the cutoff so they didn't even try um which to me stuff like you're out there you already made it 50 miles <laughs> you might as well might as well try and see what you can if you can get it to the next stage but it, it was just to see the, the you know people and like mentally and physically now on the other side i saw some people that were pumped like Oh yeah, I mean, I made it to the halfway point. I'm ready to go. Like, let's let's get this thing going again. So it's you see both sides of it, but yeah, it, it was uh, it, it was I and that's cool that you did hope pass prior to, so you can kind of see what you were what you missed the previous year. Yeah, it it didn't help. One <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> no, I mean, I, everybody, you know, what would you have done different for this race? I would have run more. I would have put more volume. Yeah. Um, simple running. And any big hike I could have done or uh, Stairmaster, Elleville, or Elleville, uh, treadmill incline, I would have put miles on my legs and then done that. So mm-hmm. I never did that. So what I mean by that is if you have access to mountains, go run 10 to 15 miles flat and then go do a good hike where you gain two to 4,000 feet or go run 10 to 15 miles if you, or if you live in Miami or somewhere flat. And then go hit the stairmaster for two hours. Go hit the, the the treadmill at fifteen for two hours. Like that's that's more realistic of what you're going to encounter. But then you can't mimic altitude, man. You can't mimic how you're going to feel mentally, um, how you're going to feel uh, on a metabolic level. I mean, it, I, I, I'm I'm really intrigued. You know, I'm I'm a geek when it comes to physiology. What happens? You know, four hours into a race at ten thousand feet. Um, and one of those things about the 26, the Leadville heavy and the Leadville 50 is I'm sure it's tough, but pushing that 12 hour mark of being up that high and and putting yourself in that physical state. I mean, it's gotta be nasty on what happens to the human body. Um, and you know, and these are, and these are elite athletes. These aren't people that aren't prepared, you know, and they're still crumbling. So it's one of those things. It's, it's impressive. Super impressive. Let's talk about coming back into Twin Lakes and almost missing that cutoff. I mean, did you know uh, as you're coming in that last one or two miles into Twin Lakes, like, did you know you were that close to the cutoff point? No, bro. I thought I was done for sure. When uh, I I had the DNF, I had a DNF Instagram post written when I was going up Hope Pass the first time. So when I left Twin Lakes, about four miles up, uh, it was it was nasty. I was moving really slow. The altitude was fucking me up. Uh, my knees were in pain I'd never experienced before, and that's because of how heavy I was. I, I had DNA. I had accepted the fact that I I signed up for something that I took too lightly, that I didn't put enough effort into, and it's just you know the cards weren't in it again for me. I I, I failed myself, and I failed a lot of people that are here, um, but. That was internal dialogue. The reality was I was consistently moving forward mm-hmm. and I would tell myself, you're going to finish. You're a warrior. Just keep moving out loud. And then I just kept fucking <sighs> clipping along and I got up to hope, looked back. I was like, all right, I got to make the cutoff to Winfield, which was six o'clock, 6 p.m. I got into Winfield at 520. Okay. So. I mean, yeah, not, not bad, but not much time. 40 yeah. minutes. It's not much, yeah. not, not enough time to sit down and have a cup of soup. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, so, <I> know. <laughs> you know what, Jeff? And, and, and I was waiting for your, for this moment. I saw so many people quit on themselves and it was so pathetic. I'm not gonna lie. I thought about it. I was like, that looks like a nice van back to twin lakes. It's very easy to just chop it up as you know, I tried. And uh, I didn't have what it takes and nobody will be mad, but you have to live with that for the rest of your life. And some people brush it off. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Your internal state is the most important state that you can create. And the people that, you know, you said they didn't think they had enough time. I saw people that came in before me to that A station that were already on the bus and I'm like, and then, and then I made cutoffs. So I'm like, these people just, just quit. They just quit, you know? And it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's pathetic is what it is because they're selfish. They quit because they felt 
that they were tired, they were weak, um, they were beat up, which that's what you signed up for. But this event, this type of race is not about you. It's about you showing everybody else what's possible, right? And hopefully you have a crew, a family. And if not, how many people, Jeff, did you see? I mean, and you were helping where you were like, that's impressive. That guy, that is that girl, that is impressive. That is, that is inspiring. And you don't even know the person. You don't even have to know the person. Don't know their name. Don't know where they come from. Don't know what they've been through in life. But the act of them pushing through something so disgusting and not quitting is inspirational. Right. And so all these people that quit, like they're just selfish. It's, it comes down to that. You're selfish, right? If you have two legs and you're not hurt, injured and hurt are two different things. And you didn't fucking tap that halfway point and go back up. Even if you didn't listen, there was fucking 12 people that were with, like we, we got like a conga line of people that were suffering coming out of Winfield, um, okay. going back up to hope they started falling off. But you know what, man? At least they tried. You know what I mean? Like, at least they yeah. got back on the trail and they tried. And, you know, even for me, I got to a point where I was with a buddy of mine and his knee was wrecked, right? He, he hurt his knee coming down power line early on in the race. He's like, hey, man. And, and at this point, I'm like two miles. I could see the top of Hope. And it's, it's almost getting dark. And I'm like, like, there's no room to stop right now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm. Like any decision to stop will get me out of this race. He's like, Hey, I'm done. And I looked at him and I was like, Hey dude, I respect your decision. I can't stop. I have too many people depending on my actions to sit down and feel sorry for myself. And he didn't make cutoffs, And I did, you know, and I, I know he was in a bad, bad place. He really was. But I knew that I had what it took to give everything I had and if I didn't make cutoff, I could live with that. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm going to tell you, when I came down Hope Pass to the aid station with the llamas, what's, what's, what aid station is that? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know the name of it, but it's coming I, down yeah. Hope Pass. I asked one of the guys, I'm like, hey, man, what's the time? And what, what, are, the, what are the odds I can get to Twin Lakes to make cutoff? And he's like, you're not going to make it, man. He, he goes, you have to run the entire way down. So he said that. I dropped whatever he gave me, literally on the floor, and took off. <laughs> and <laughs> Um, and I was gone. And, and at that point I was pushing a line. I was pushing a line of speed, but not getting injured and then dealing with pain on my knees of the downhill. So it was tough, but I, I pushed it as hard as I could. I came out of the, uh, the trail and now it was a pretty flat mile and a half to twin lakes and you go through the water and I was like, I, I'm not going to make it. No, no way. But I said, I told myself, I said, I'm not going to make it, but I'm going to run as hard as I can. And leave it all out there. You know what I mean? And I did. I was running like a nine and a half minute mile, which for me at that point was flying. And I made it. I made it by four minutes. And um, and then the race started. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then at that point, let's see, four minutes to go. And then, I mean, so and I'll get into the crew aspect of it here in a second, because that probably changed the game for you, too. The fact you had people with you. But where were your how close were you when you got? got to your other, other checkpoints. Like, were you still kicking in that, that three to five minute, like lead time to get cut off or like, because crew came in with you and you got a little bit, like, was that kind of bumped up a little bit more? Like how, how did that play out the rest of the, the rest of the way for you? Oh no, man. We, we started taking souls. We, we came back to life <laughs> and we, uh, we finished, we finished the race like, like, like the warriors that we, we were. Yeah, no, I had I had a, a way better and I'm glad that I was conservative because I was able to do that. And I, I was conservative, but I thought I was uh, moving too slow. And I probably was a little too conservative. But when I got out of the deep abyss of hell from Twin Lakes to fuck, what's the name of the A station? It's Twin Lakes. I forget the name of the AC. I don't know the name of the AC. Uh, but it was our, our bound is before or after Twin Lakes. No, it's before our bound. It's the only way to get there is uh, it's like a little late station. Um, yeah. But it was eight miles from Twin Lakes to there, and four miles in, my pacer Andre was like, "Dude, you, you're, you know exactly what you're going through." 
and this is what experience, this is why it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's, it's usually really good to have somebody on the crew that's experienced with ultras. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're depleted. You need calories. You need to hydrate and you will be back. You'll, you'll get better, but it's going to be hell. And it fucking was, it was hell for the next four miles. Yeah. And he goes, you're going to look at me when you're back and you're going to say, let's finish this race. And I looked at him like, this guy's fucking nuts. He's <laughs> out of his mind. <laughs> and mind you, I'm suffering, but this, at this point it's carnage. There's people throwing up. There's people crying on the side of the trail. There's people like just falling apart. And I'm like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. So then I'm, I'm, t- I'm starting to tell myself like, this is all fake. Like you're, it's not that bad. Like you're just creating something that's not real. Kept moving, kept moving, kept moving. Looked at Andre and said, let's run. At that point, we're running up, we're running down. It didn't even matter. And we're just taking people's souls. We're running. I passed. Well, I was last. I was last leaving Twin Lakes. I was the last one to make cutoff. And then the people that came in behind me to make cutoff, they passed me because I literally stopped and got my shit together for like five minutes. So when I look back, there was nobody behind us. So I think I passed 200 people from twin lakes to the finish line. Damn. Um, and yeah, we ran hour bound. We had about 50 minutes time spare. Okay. So you're making up some good time. Yeah. Yeah. We clipped, we clipped a lot of time off the clock and then me and me and Hector went from hour bound to May queen and, uh, we crushed it. That climb was it was, it, it, it honestly didn't even, I mean, we didn't stop. We did not yeah. stop. And pe- people were falling apart at that point. People were, were getting a little delusional. There was, there was some carnage on that. Um, and, you know, Hector's a beast. So we climbed out of power line, no problem. And I told him, I said, hey, we're going to get to a point where we're running down. We're going to send it. We're not going to stop. We're not going to walk. We're just going to run right down power line, down to May Queen. Got to May Queen. It was 545, 530, something like that. And, uh, yeah, at that point, I was there was nothing stopping me. There was nothing yeah. stopping me. So, and we 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 took it on in from May Queen with uh, my other pacer Connor, and um and we took it to the finish. And yeah, like I said, man, any out and back race, you now I know. Pay attention to stuff that's subtle coming down, because you're gonna have to hit that coming back. And yeah. Leadville is, I mean, it just takes everything out of you. It, it when they say dig deep, like that is. <laughs> that's an understatement of what you got to do to get through this race. Um, and it was, it was extremely difficult to get through that, that hundred mile race. So, yeah. Well, there had to been too, like, uh, as you're, as you said, you're, you're internally, you're, you're getting ready to send off a DNF post and and you're like, uh, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. You realize you do. There's also got to be this all of a sudden an on switch kicks on when you're like, Oh shit. Like Jeff, I, I made it. I That's- did. I fucking was done. I thought I was done. Yeah. I mean, so when, when they fucking, when I made it, they're like, you're good. I remember telling somebody, I was like, bro, I'm not good. They're like, yes, you are, man. You're fine. You're good. Like, and that's just like that internal, everything's bad. Yeah. It's a dark hole. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I had to transition to, we still got, what was it? 38 miles to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's 30. the thing. Like here, you're here. You are thinking you're going to be done, and all of a sudden, this the you having to flip a switch, yeah, and just be like, "All right, I'm still in this thing. I'm going to go." And and like you said, you got your crew there, and you guys just went all out for it, you know. And it's you know, it says a lot about like how the game changes if you get to that point, right? And the crew kind of can help take over a little bit, not take over, but help out with you know mentally and and you just push you a little bit, you know. So it's kind of one of those things where. I look at it as you, you, you really got to mentally get through that first 63 miles or whatever it is. Yeah. Really figure yourself out. And then it's, it's kind of like, okay, you can lean on some people to help you out throughout the the way, but you you always have to have the mindset of you're always in the fight. And that was the the mantra during this race was you're, you're still in the fight. You're still in the fight. You're still in the fight. You're not in the fight when they pull this bib off you. And until that happens, you have a chance, you know, and I I kept that mindset. You know, I really did. Even when it, when it was dark internally and I was like, I'm not going to make it. I'm moving too slow. I was like, you're, you're, you're still in the fight. You're still fighting. Just keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. Yeah, man. It was, it was paramount that I had a great crew. 
Um, I would not have been successful without them. Um, knowing what I know now, preparation is huge. Um, you, you, you're going to have to to prepare accordingly for a race like that. And like I said, I don't have much experience running. So running, running races, but you got to put in the time, man. It's like you have to dedicate if you want to not just slide on by. And I feel like that race, I just eked on through, you know what I mean? Um, which a lot of people do. It's, it's a nasty race. Um, next time I go back, whenever that is, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the full head on attack of we want to go sub 25 hours. So that's going to take dedication. That's going to take, you know, a, a level of commitment that's different from just finishing. And it, it's, it's, it's a big difference. And you see it too. You see the runners that are, are prepped and prime. You see the people that are doing the lead man and the lead woman. And it's just like, like you, you just did all this shit and look, you look great. And it just goes to show you how much training they did, how their body is used to the volume and their mind is just clicked on another level of like, this is not going to stop me. All the shit I've done this summer, this is the last thing. No, I'm, I'm, I'm unfazed. You know, and I know they all went through their, their, their dark moments, but it's one of those things, man, like the volume you have to coming into this altitude, prepare yourself accordingly. And if you're coming from, from sea level, you double it <laughs> because, you know, if you can get it, you know, one thing that helped me too is I, I did a run camp in Guatemala, which was unfucking believable It was beautiful um, on so many levels. It was epic. If you can get out to altitude before an altitude race and, and get in a good 40 to 70 miles in a couple of days, that's going to be tremendously helpful. And, and that's what I did. And I know it helped me out. I did that about three weeks away from the race. So yeah, man, that was, that was my lead. So, so this one, that one last thing, and I, I, I really want to know about this because it's what's cool with the way Leadville finishes, right? You're, you're finishing through town and it's about a mile ish stretch, right? As you make that turn and you just got that straightaway of finish line. And what's cool with like Leadville is different from any other trail race. And it's like, it's got stands and people are sitting there, you know, there's hundreds of people, you know, sitting around, we, you know, cheering people on as they finish. And as soon as you turn that corner and you, somebody sees a runner come down the straightaway, it's full on. People are cheering you on and, and yeah. everything else. Talk to me about that really quick, quick. Cause that, that had to have been just another like level up one more time, just as you see that coming in. I mean, it's it, cause from, from the stands aspect of it and sitting at the finish line, it was really cool to be able to watch those runners start to make a little bit faster sprint down, down that hill into the finish line. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's not down. It looks well, down, but it's, it's, up. it's, 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 <laughs> it's up technically. It, sorry. It's, it's down coming when you, when you start, but when you finish, it's yeah, up. Sorry. It's but, I, let me clarify. Yes. It's, it's a, it's a V <laughs> so you're down yeah. and then you gotta come back up. But anyway, it, it just goes to show you uh, how much energy we have as humans, how when you're alone, you produce your own energy. And when you get surrounded by a group of people, like you are now influenced by energy. And you know, that translates directly into life. Like who's your tribe? Who are the people that you surround yourself with and who are you bringing to those people, right? People, uh, I've had a couple conversations recently where people are like, well, I just don't have a good group of friends. Well, unfortunately I have to ask you, have you looked in the mirror lately? Like, would you want to be friends with you? Like you want to be a, a part of a group of people that you're not that person yet, you know? So I'm not perfect by any means. I've got more flaws than anybody out there for sure. But I do know that I, I give people my all, right? If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 100% for you. And I'll give you the shirt off my back if I feel you would do the same for me. Mm -hmm. And when you come into this town, like all these people are just giving you all their energy and the whole world disappears. It's like, it's like, it's not even real. It's a high that you can't even replicate by doing actual drugs. Like it's like, Everything goes away. Pain, nausea, weakness, headache, you know, fatigue, you're tired. All everything goes away. And then you cross that finish line and then everything comes back. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things like all of those humans are so positive and they're so they're so energetic that it just it, it's in the air and it's it's gifted to you. And I've talked to a lot of people and and, and they say Leadville, Leadville start and finish is one that is unmatched across oh. across the world. 100%. They say the only one that's that, that can mirror it is UTMB in 
uh, in France, which, I mean, that's, that's the Disney world of, of ultra races. So, uh, yes, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was amazing, man. I, uh, I love me some Leadville. I love, I love me running ultras. Um, and it's something that'll be a lifelong pursuit. Um, you know, unfortunately I had to kind of pivot a little bit right now and I'm running 20 miles a week, if that, um, but it's all good, man. It's a part of life. And I look forward, you know, I'm actually grateful for the time I spent running the time I spent training. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the time that I get to revert back to my next race, like put something on the calendar and, uh, I'll approach it differently because now I know what it's like to take a step back and, you know, a lot of races, sometimes they, they demand so much training, so much volume that if you have too much going on in your life, you're, you're going to hate running, you know? So just understand that the demand of a race, like I said, if you want to finish, a lot of people set themselves up for failure and they wonder why they DNF. Um, but it, it takes work, man. It takes commitment. It takes removing other things out of your life and this feeling it, you know? Um, and it's, it's hard and it's still, you know, like the year before I had put in this more time training. DNF is still out there. Like the, the yeah. best of the best DNF all the time. Yep. So, and there's a lot that goes into these races, especially if you're traveling and you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's worth every penny. Um, the experiences I've made, all my family was out there. Um, there's a documentary coming out. So I'm super stoked about that. And, and that, that is, I can't, you can't pay. I couldn't, you know, if somebody said, Hey, pay for this, like, I would pay any type of money to do that again because of what, what came out of it. It's just life-changing. It really is. It's, it's life-changing. It changed my life. It changed so many people's lives. And like I said, it changed people's lives that saw me, that counted me out. that were like, oh, he's not going to make it. And then saw me at the finish line. And I had most people like, dude, I saw you here. I didn't think you were going to make it, <laughs> you know? And it's like, Hey, me neither, but here I am. <laughs> you know? um, I was in dark, I was in dark spots, but you know, we, we always stayed in the fight and, and we prevailed. So, well, I appreciate you jumping on and kind of telling your story and talking about Leadville. And it was nice to finally get a chance to actually sit down and chat with you. Cause the, the two times that we've seen each other, one, it was a Hector's, uh, self 200 here in San Diego. Right. Right. And then I saw you for a quick minute at, at, uh, in Leadville. So it's kind of nice to sit down and actually have a chance to get to know who you are and, and chat a little bit about your journey and stuff. So it's, it's definitely been a pleasure, Julian. Thank you so much. Yeah, Jeff, I appreciate the opportunity. The Trail Life Podcast presented by Solomon is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Stoner. Theme song provided by The Poor Dirty Astronauts with lyrics written by Matt Meyer. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other place you stream your favorite podcasts. Thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you on the trails real soon.